So, where were you 14 years ago? 14 years ago, I was a senior in high school in the throes of AP calculus. So some of you are thinking like, you're really old or something, you're really young, you know, but, but that's where I was 14 years ago. No one's thinking I'm really old, I understand that. But uh, 14 years ago, AP calculus, uh, I'll tell you what, AP calculus was not my favorite subject. I had some friends in that class with me who found calculus to be super easy. Like it felt like they would just barely study and they would get straight A's on their tests. It just, it just clicked with them. It was not like that for me. Uh, I, I, I really struggled with AP Calculus, but I had a great teacher and he offered to us students that if we were ever having trouble with our homework that we could call him at his home at night and, and ask him questions. And you know, I remember calling him almost every night that year and trying to figure out what I was supposed to do with this jumble of equations in front of me. And, and I think it was called a TI-89 scientific calculator, but way, t- way too complex to be a calculator. And uh, buttons that shouldn't be on a calculator, you know? And uh, it's just very hard. I had to work harder in that class than any class I'd ever taken to just try to understand the basic concepts I was being taught, and, and, and finally just barely passed the final exam. But I'll tell you this as well, by the time I was done, I had no plans to ever look at a calculus equation again, and I have not done that. Now here's what I want to ask this morning. It, is this how spiritual understanding works? When it comes to a subject like calculus, it seems like some people just get it intuitively, while other people have to work really hard just to try and understand. And even then, that understanding can be pretty thin. But what about when it comes to spiritual things? What about when it comes to the Word of God? Do some people just have a natural edge over others in this area? They're just more spiritually attuned than others? Can you gain spiritual understanding by working hard at it? And if so, is it actually worth the time and effort it would take to gain that understanding? These are the questions we want to answer this morning. You can open your Bibles to Matthew 13. Our passage this morning is Matthew 13, verses 51 and 52. A short but significant passage. We are continuing our series through Matthew that we're calling Following the Fulfillment. And for the last several weeks, we've been looking at the parables of Jesus. Parables were one of the most distinguishing forms of Jesus' teaching ministry. Uh, they marked much of his public teaching. And, and, and what they were, they were, they were stories with a deeper meaning. But we shouldn't just place them alongside something like Aesop's fables, for instance. You know, Aesop gave stories that encouraged moral behavior in his listeners. But Jesus, on the other hand, he told parables not to encourage moral behavior, but to reveal the kingdom of God to those with ears to hear. His parables weren't primarily a way of saying, change your behavior. No, his parables were a way of saying, be changed by the reality of the kingdom. That's what the parables do for us. They they don't call us to change. They change us when we grasp them. Well, again, our passage this morning is short, but it's significant because it's the conclusion to the seven parables that we've been looking at in Matthew 13 over these last few weeks. And it begins in verse 51 with Jesus asking his disciples a question. Have you understood all these things? Have you understood 
all these things. All these things refers back to all the parables that Jesus has just given. Jesus' question, have you understood them, means have you grasped what they mean? Have you discerned the truth about the kingdom of God in these parables that I have given you? Church, how would you answer Jesus' question? Have you understood all these things? Based on these parables, have you understood the parable of the sower? And what it means that a man sowed his seed in four different types of soil and ultimately one soil was fruitful and the others were not. Have you understood that? Have you understood the parable of the wheat and the weeds where after a farmer sowed wheat in his field, an enemy came and sowed weeds in an effort to destroy that crop? Have you understood the parables of the mustard seed and the leaven where in both cases something seemingly small and insignificant grows and pervades? Have you understood the parables of the man who found a treasure, the man who found a pearl, how these men sold everything they had to gain what they had found? Have you understood the parable of the net and what it means that fish of every kind were gathered and then sorted out according to whether they were good or bad? What would you say this morning? How would you answer? Have you understood all these things? Now, as you think about how you would answer, look at how the disciples answered Jesus' question at the end of verse 51. Matthew 13, we're looking at 51. Jesus said, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. Just yes. In light of our own struggles to sometimes understand the parables, the disciples' answer seems a little bold, doesn't it? We might have expected them to say, we think we understand, or we understand some of it, Jesus, or even just a straightforward, not really, Jesus, but instead they just say yes. They say yes, we understand from the parable of the sower that the word of the kingdom will be rejected by many and received by some based on the state of their hearts. Yes, Jesus, we understand from the parable of the wheat and the weeds that the kingdom will face opposition and evil in the present age until the final judgment. Yes, we understand from the parables that the mustard seed and the leaven, that the kingdom's beginnings will seem small and insignificant, but they will grow and they will spread to all nations and transform those who receive it. Yes, we understand that the, the parables of the treasure and the pearl show that the kingdom is supremely valuable, worth losing everything for. Yes, we understand that the parable of the net shows us that only those who are righteous will be received into the kingdom, but those who are evil will be condemned to judgment. Yes, Jesus, we understand these things. This answer is definitely surprising to us. And if you're like me, you're somewhat skeptical of it. Did they really? But what's even more surprising is that Jesus doesn't rebuke them for it. We might expect Jesus to say, Ron, you think you understand, but you don't. That was a test. You failed. You're so proud to think that you've understood these things. No, that's not what Jesus says. He doesn't rebuke their yes. Instead, he gives them one more parable. <laughs> Let's read it in verse 52. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. These concluding verses to the parables in Matthew 13, they teach us about what it means to understand 
spiritual things. They teach us about what it means to understand the kingdom. What I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is look at three truths that we need to understand about spiritual understanding, if that makes sense. Three truths that we need to, to hear and grasp and learn this morning about how someone comes to understand the truths of the kingdom. And as we look at these three truths, I pray that the Lord would really help each of us discern how we would answer Jesus' question. Have you understood these things. I pray as we walk through these truths that we'll be able to answer that question truly and fairly for ourselves. So three truths about spiritual understanding. First, spiritual understanding is possible. It's possible. While it is easy to be skeptical of the disciples' claim that they understood Jesus' parables, we should remember what Jesus himself told them earlier in the chapter. Look back in Matthew 13 at verse 11. The disciples had asked, why do you speak in parables? And in verse 11, he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. You see, behind the disciples' claim, yes, we understand, was Jesus' claim. God has granted to you that you would know the mysteries of the kingdom. He says something very similar to them in the same place in verse 16. In verse 16 he says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. In other words, Jesus has already told the disciples, God has blessed you to understand the things I am teaching you. You know, we live in a day and age where to claim that you know something is viewed as arrogant at best and oppressive at worst. When even the most basic and self-evident claims of knowledge are being denied, then obviously claims of spiritual knowledge are viewed as being even more outrageous. How can you possibly say that you know spiritual truth? One of our culture's favorite metaphors for our inability to know spiritual truth is is that of four blind men around an elephant. You've probably heard this. Each, Each one of these blind men is standing next to a different part of the elephant and trying to tell the others what is in front of them. And so one is feeling a leg and says it's a tree. Another's feeling a tusk and says it's a spear. Another's just feeling the side of the elephant, the body, and says it's a wall. And then one more is on the tail and says it's a rope. And of course, it's actually none of these things, but that's the whole point. We can't actually know. We don't have the vantage point or perspective to know. True understanding of spiritual things is impossible. That's our culture's story. But let's carry that story forward a little. Suppose the four blind men head home for the night, and they're going back. They're going to come back tomorrow and try again to figure it out. And one of them on his way home, he encounters a healer. And this healer gives this blind man his sight. This blind man can see. And so the next morning, this man who once was blind, he's the first one back. And he sees for the first time what has been in front of them all along. Now when the other blind men get there, is it arrogant for this blind man, who now can see, to say to them, Friends, I was blind, but I met someone, and now I see, and I can tell you that we were all wrong. It's not a tree, it's not a spear, it's not a wall, it's not a rope, it's an elephant. Would that be arrogant of him? No, not at all. Because now he can see. This is the way the Bible describes spiritual understanding and how we gain it. 
It's not that some people just naturally get it while others don't. No, because of our sin, we have all been left blinded to spiritual truth, every one of us. But because of his grace, God comes to us by his spirit and he unblinds us. He opens the eyes of our hearts and he makes it so we can see again. Spiritual understanding is possible because it's the gift of God. And that's the only reason it's possible, because God gifts understanding by his grace. You know, Jesus told his disciples in another place that God is a father who loves to give good things to those who ask. So this morning, the first application I want to give you is this. Ask God for the gift of spiritual understanding. Ask him, pray to him, and confess, Lord, left to myself, I am completely blind. Left to myself, I have no ability to discern what is true because of my sin, but I believe that you are a gracious God, and so I pray that you would grant me to know the truth of your word. Give me eyes that see, give me ears that hear because of your son Jesus. Pray that to the Lord from the heart. He loves to give good things to those who ask. Spiritual understanding is possible because spiritual understanding is the gift of God. Second, spiritual understanding is progressive. It's progressive. Let's talk a little bit more about the disciples' answer to Jesus' question. Yes, we've understood all these things. Well, we know from what we just saw that it's possible that they understood because God has granted them understanding, but still, you kind of wonder, did they really understand? And let's just consider the leader of the pack here, the Apostle Peter. If we just go forward a couple chapters in Matthew, Matthew 16, we find Jesus asking the disciples a different question. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers in verse 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus doesn't say, that was a lucky guess. <laughs> no, he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Jesus affirms Peter's understanding of who he is, and he says that the reason Peter understands this is because the Father has revealed it to him. So again, spiritual understanding is possible because it's the gift of God. Peter understood who Jesus was because the Father showed it to him, revealed it to him. So, so Peter has true, real, God-revealed understanding of Jesus. But then Jesus begins to teach the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and rise again. And you know what Peter says with all of his understanding? Far be it from you, Lord. May it never happen to you. You see, Peter understood who Jesus was, but he completely lacked understanding of Jesus' mission. This wasn't the last time Peter struggled to understand something either. If we fast forward through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, to Jesus' ascension, Jesus commissions the disciples to make disciples of all nations. And he says, be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. A few weeks later, he sends the Holy Spirit, and Peter stands up before the crowds at Pentecost. He preaches this incredible sermon that showed deep understanding of what formerly he didn't understand about, about the cross and the resurrection and salvation in Jesus' name alone. Peter has come to understand what he didn't before about the mission of Jesus, and he preaches 
that. If he didn't understand the cross before, he definitely does by the time Acts 2 comes. But now there's something else that's not quite clicking for Peter. Because you see over the next eight chapters of Acts, which covers a period of years in the early church, Peter and the rest of the disciples were not really going to the nations with the gospel. They were not going to the ends of the earth. And it wasn't until Peter received a vision from Christ in Acts 10 of a bunch of unclean food and Jesus saying, kill and eat, Peter. It wasn't until this experience and and all that came with it that Peter finally understood the Gospels for the Gentiles too. And they don't need to become Jews to be included. And here's what I'm getting at by looking at these examples from Peter's life is that his understanding was true, but it wasn't complete. It was was there, and it was real, and it was the gift of God, but, but it wasn't complete yet. It was partial. He didn't receive it all at once. Spiritual understanding is progressive. Back in Matthew 13, Jesus himself underscored this point in verse 12. Right after he said, to you it's been granted to know, he says this in verse 12, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. So the the one who has spiritual understanding as a gift from God will be given more understanding from God until he has an abundance of understanding. What this means then is that spiritual understanding doesn't come all at once. It doesn't come all at once. The Spirit doesn't simply put a spiritual zip drive into us and download a file called All Spiritual Truth into our minds. That's not how it works. It comes progressively. We grow into the understanding that God gifts us. I want to ask, what does this look like practically for us then? Listen to the instruction that the Apostle Paul gave to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.7. Listen to this simple instruction. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Notice here, there's an instruction and a promise. Think. Use your mind. Put forth the effort to understand. Make observations. Ask questions. Try to discern the meaning. Think over what I say. That's the instruction. Timothy, apply your mind to what I've said and think about it. And this instruction is undergirded with this promise, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Not, the Lord might give you understanding in some things. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. Spiritual understanding is the gift of God from beginning to end, but it's not a gift that we access passively. It's a gift that comes to us as we actively seek to understand, as we actively apply our minds to reflection and study and learning of his word. You will grow in understanding as you think about the things that God has revealed. You will grow because God will give you understanding. And so an application of this second point, don't simply ask God to give you understanding and then just put your Bible on your forehead Just wait, hope it gets in there somehow, spiritual osmosis. No, ask God to give you understanding and then begin to read it. 
read it and think about what you're reading and maybe take some notes and ask some questions, listen to a sermon, do whatever you can to to study it and reflect on it and be a learner of the word. And it doesn't matter where you are in, in that process. You might know very little about the Bible. Just start there. Just start reading and start thinking and start learning and the Lord will give you understanding as his gift to you. Spiritual understanding is possible because it's God's gift, and spiritual understanding is progressive as we put forth effort to think about what God has spoken. Finally, spiritual understanding is precious. Spiritual understanding is precious. While Jesus doesn't rebuke the disciples' claim to understanding in verse 51, he doesn't necessarily affirm it either, does he? Instead, what he does is he challenges it. And he does this by giving them one more parable tailor-made just for this response. We understand that because he says, therefore. Do you understand these things? Yes. Well, therefore, here's a parable for you. He said to them, again, verse 52, Therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. So in this little parable, Jesus gives us the reality and then the comparison. So, so what's the parable about? What's it speaking about? And, and we see at the beginning, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven. That's not the metaphor. That's, that's the thing itself. Every scribe has been trained for the kingdom of heaven. Usually in the Gospels, we read about scribes and we are reading about religious leaders who were opposed to Jesus. But that's not what we should be thinking about right here. A scribe, in and of itself is a person who studied and interpreted and taught the scriptures. To put it simply, a scribe was a Bible teacher. But Jesus here doesn't just refer to scribes. He says, scribes who have been trained for the kingdom of heaven. These are kingdom scribes. These are scribes of the kingdom of God. These are scribes that belong to Jesus. One thing that's hard to see in our translation is that this word trained is the same word. It's the verbal form of the word disciple. So uh, you you could say it this way. These are scribes who have become disciples of the kingdom. These are kingdom disciple scribes that we're talking about. He's talking about the disciples. He's talking about us. He's not talking about just some class of of teacher or Bible study. He's talking about those who follow him. This is who we are. According to Jesus, we are scribes who study and interpret and teach the word in light of the kingdom of God, in light of the king, Jesus Christ. This this is who we are. And this leads to the comparison. Jesus says, if you truly understand these parables of the kingdom, if you're a kingdom scribe, then here's what you should be like. You should be like a master of the house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Now, nowadays, we don't really have this position of master of the house. I mean, you might go home today, dads, and I'm the king of my castle, you know. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's, he's talking about someone who uh, owned a large estate and had workers who tended to that estate. And he's a wealthy figure, and out of his wealth, he would give to those who worked his estate 
for him. We see this master of the house in several parables where this person comes and he gives of his wealth and generosity to those who were working under him. So that's the picture we have, is, is someone who has wealth and he's giving to others. In this parable, we have the master of the house bringing out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And again, we shouldn't just picture someone in their armchair just looking at their treasure, admiring it. Oh, this is a new one. This is an old one. You know, it's not what we're seeing here. No, he's, he's bringing out of his treasure to give to those who are under him. He's, he's bringing out of his treasure what he has to share with others. Out of his generosity and his wealth, he is giving to others. And Jesus says, this is what a kingdom scribe is like. This is what a disciple with true understanding is like. Someone who brings out of their treasure what is new and what is old for others. Well, the most important point of comparison that we need to figure out is what is this treasure? This old and new treasure. It includes both what is new and what is old. What is this referring to? Well, for the kingdom scribe, it's referring to the new covenant which would come to be expressed in the New Testament scriptures. And it's referring to the Old Covenant, which was given in the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus lists the new first because the new makes sense of the old. The old is fulfilled in the new. And what makes it a treasure is that all of it is is united in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of all the scriptures. It's a treasure because it's all about Jesus. That's what a kingdom scribe understands. You know, the scribes in Jesus' day that opposed him, they studied the scriptures, and yet they failed to connect it to Jesus. And Jesus audaciously said to them in John 5, you think that in the scriptures you have eternal life? And that sounds blasphemous, right? Like, well, yeah. The words of eternal life, we just saying it, right? But Jesus says, but you don't come to me. See, if, if we don't see how the old and the new come together in Jesus, then we're, we're not kingdom scribes. We're just unbelieving religious scribes, like those in Jesus' day that are condemned. But when we see how all of this is coming together in Jesus, and he's the center of it all, then it becomes a treasure to us. It becomes precious to us. He binds it all together. And here we can see Jesus' point to his disciples Have you understood these things? Yes, we've understood all of these things. True spiritual understanding is not just a cognitive thing. You can know a lot about the scriptures. You can know a lot about the Bible. You can know what the gospel is. You can know good theology. But here's the important question. Do you treasure these things? Is the word of God precious to you? Are you thrilled with the spiritual understanding that God has granted to you? Does the gospel make your heart burn within you? And one clear way to know if it truly is your treasure is to ask yourself, do I share it with others? You see, if we truly treasure the spiritual understanding that we've received, we will not want to keep it to ourselves. This is not a treasure that we just want to hoard and keep to ourselves. It's a treasure that makes us like the master of the house who eagerly brings out of his treasure what he has so that others can share it too. We eagerly bring out of our treasure 
of, of the word of God and the kingdom of God and the person of Christ, we, we bring out of that what we have learned and understood so that others can understand as well. This is true spiritual understanding. And Redeemer family, we need to hear the message of this parable this morning. I don't think this is wrong to say. I praise God that he's given us what we could say at one level is a strong and clear understanding of the word. We value the scriptures at Redeemer. We value the faithful teaching and preaching of the scriptures. I know that if I got up here and did not clearly tell you what this means, I would not be your pastor for very long. Because you don't just want to know what I think, you want to know what the word of God says. I praise God for that. I praise God for strong theology. I praise God for big God theology that that we sing and pray and speak to each other. I praise God for the knowledge of his gospel that he's given us. So by his grace, we have understanding. But here's where I want to ask us to evaluate ourselves, church. Is it precious to us? Is it a treasure to us? Is it such a treasure to us that we cannot keep it to ourselves? This is the test of really understanding the gospel. Our understanding does not matter very much if we don't delight in it and share it with others. That's Jesus' point. If our understanding of the scriptures and of the gospel does not bring us inward delight and it does not lead us to share what we've learned with others, then we've not understood yet. Not the way we need to. True understanding is measured by the delight we have in the word of God and our eagerness to share that word with other people. And listen, if these things are lacking, it can only mean one thing. We have other treasures. If this isn't precious to us, it's because something else is. We're finding our delight in other things. There are things that are more valuable to us in this world than the word of God. Maybe it's a particular sin that you've been unwilling to repent of. Maybe it's a relationship that you're finding your identity in. Maybe it's an ambition that's controlling you. Maybe it's a comfort that you aren't letting go of. But if your understanding of the gospel is not a precious thing to you, then there's something else that is in your life. And so I want to ask you again this morning, have you understood these things? Not just with your mind, but in your heart, do these things bring you such delight that you cannot help but share them with others? And I call you this morning, church, to behold the preciousness of the truths that God has revealed to us. I mean, what a week to do this. We're going to be fixing our minds and our hearts on the passion of Christ. What a week to behold the preciousness again of what God has shown us. We've been given the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have been given the revelation of mercy triumphing over judgment for sinners. The revelation of covenant love and new covenant promises from a gracious God. The revelation of the incarnation, righteous life, sacrificial death, powerful resurrection, glorious ascension, personal intercession, future return of the Son of God incarnate, Jesus Christ. 
Behold the preciousness of these things this week. Let's continually ask the Lord for the gift of understanding, knowing that left to ourselves, we will not understand. Let's continually seek to grow in understanding, reading and reflecting on his word. And let us supremely value and proclaim the preciousness of the things that God reveals to us.